It really stinks when your horse is injured or you otherwise have some sort of setback. But sometimes there's often more that we can do besides just stopping all progress and feeling sorry for ourselves. <laughs> so in this episode, I'm going to talk about how I've handled it when my horses have been injured or have had setbacks or big obstacles come up. And hopefully this can help you and your horse. So here we go. Episode 32. What can you do? Hi, I'm Karen Rolf, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. As I was outside today, hanging out with my horse, as I iced his leg, <laughs> I thought, you know, I really should do a blog about this because, you know, horses, <laughs> there's always something that's happening right? We have our goals, we have our dreams, everything's going along great, and then they're a horse. So something happens. So it's a reality. And um, I've learned over a lifetime of being with horses that there really are things you can do. And I've, I've also learned that sometimes these supposed setbacks have usually led to some, something positive, something valuable, or at least enjoyable, ha and has come out of this. And so now, of course, whenever my horse is injured or something, there's that sinking feeling. I get that too. Uh, but then it usually switches. And I look for what I can do. I look for what an action I can take, no matter how small, no matter how seemingly nothing it is, and no matter how far away it might seem from your actual goals. And if you can adjust your expectations in that moment and remember to ask yourself, what can I do? It can really change so much, not just about how we feel about this unfortunate thing that happened, but really, truly something amazing could come out of it. So now I wrote a blog a while ago called Expanded by Limits. So I'm going to, in this podcast, kind of talk a little bit about some of the things that I have in that blog. So it'll be maybe sounding familiar to people who've read that blog. But then I want to expand upon some of the things that I, I mentioned in there. So the idea of the, of the blog um, was to not let limits limit you. So it's easy to focus on what we don't have and what's not working perfectly or what we can't do, right? Horses go lame, schedules change, our bodies aren't always perfectly sound and healthy. And these could all be reasons why we don't achieve. But what if these could be reasons why we do achieve? You know, there's many people who are unsuccessful, even with 
all the right circumstances, right? And there's also people who seem to have three strikes against them all the time, but they still end up making amazing progress. So how can that be? And I think that people that make progress don't always have everything going perfectly for them, but they know how to stay focused on their real goals or their real principles or the heart of what they're trying to do, no matter what. And they possess an attitude that every circumstance is a stepping stone and a piece of the puzzle. People who make progress no matter what likely have mastered the art of focusing on what they can do instead of what they can't. Because in the end, it's not what you have, it's what you do with it that makes all the difference. So in my own experience, there have been many, many times when there was a limitation that actually expanded me. In these moments, I learned something or I had to figure something out in a new way that ended up serving me for years to come and in future situations. I've had to unexpectedly change the way I normally did something. And because of that, I found results that I never would have found without that particular challenge. Yeah, I noticed uh, when I was traveling a lot and I do clinics all around the world, and I noticed that it was the students who were in maybe remote areas who, who came in sort of, I don't say complaining, but saying, oh, we just have nobody here locally to help us. It was those students that were often the most successful. They were blowing me away with what they were achieving with their horses. And there was something about their realization that they had no help around them made them focus even stronger and try even harder. (laughs) And so it was sometimes these most remote areas with no local help and the horsemanship that they were showing me was unbelievable. So they had to learn how to focus and learn how to stay motivated. So there is a benefit to having to try a little harder, to having to be a little more curious, to be more creative and to be more self-disciplined. I think sometimes students and, you know, myself, this is all stuff I've experienced. We can get complacent with the luxury of a local daily instructor. It's like, you know, I remember a lot of times when I was, you know, teaching full training students, you know, I'd say, well, what do you want to work on today? They're like, I don't know. And they didn't have to think about what they wanted to work on because they knew I was going to help them that day. So... (laughs) Your progress isn't necessarily dependent on how many lessons you take or don't take. It's dependent on how you maximize every experience that you have. So it's about being resourceful. And if you look up the definition of resourceful, it says having the ability to find quick and clever ways to overcome difficulties. So I love the idea that when you have a limit, when you have an obstacle, when you have a quote unquote setback, because it's not, it might not be a setback, but something happens, how can you be resourceful? And that's what that question, what can I do? What can I do? Will cause you to become more resourceful. 
So a few stories. <laughs> I think I've told this story before on this podcast. Um, I've told it a lot, so maybe it was on the podcast, but there was one time when I was competing my horse Vivaldi and it was actually the first CDI that I ever did. So internet, you know, FEI level and run under the FEI rules. And under those rules, uh, if you scratched one class, you were done for the show. Like you couldn't pick and choose what class you wanted to do. And which is fine, except I got food poisoning. We ate at a local restaurant and that chicken pot pie just <laughs> wasn't agreeing with me. And I had really bad food poisoning. And I had to ride uh, early afternoon. So, I mean, it was like three hours before my class, I still couldn't even get out of bed. So I'm like, what am I gonna do? And this was a horse that was pretty low energy, kind of, you know, had to do a lot of riding to get things to happen. I was in the, I think it was the pre-St. George that day. And normally, you know, he needs a lot of loosening up and energizing and all this stuff. So I couldn't do any of that. I, I managed to get myself to the showgrounds. I could barely stand up and I thought I could just get through this ride. And so what I did was I got on the horse and I just walked around. I just did walk work which was the worst kind of warm up I thought for him. And then I'd go over to where my instructor was and she had the pee off whip and we just pee off him. And then, then I'm like, oh, that's enough bouncing. And then we just go back to walking and walking and walking, lateral work, collected, extended, walk, 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 come over to my instructor, we pee off him a little bit. And then there came my time and I had to go in the arena. Now I'm very, you know, my goal at that moment was to not uh, have anything come out of my body <laughs> that I didn't want to. So I'm happy to report I made it through the test. Nothing, everything stayed inside my body where it belonged. <laughs> and I think we got like a 64% at pre-St. George in our first CDI with multiple judges. And I was just blown away. I never would have picked that warm up. Never in my dreams would I have thought that would be a valuable warm up. My score was about the same as I had been getting <laughs> in other shows. So that was, that really uh, interested me and said, huh, maybe there's some other ways. And the thing was, he wasn't nearly as tired. He wasn't, he wasn't stressed out nearly as much as I think he usually was at shows. Some other examples, uh, my horse ovation at one point um, he was having a lot of trouble learning collection <laughs> and somewhere at the beginning of that stage, second, trying to be third level, uh, he had an injury and he had to have a lot of stall rest. And then we had to spend one month of just walking, you know, by, we did the hand walking thing and then one month walking. And, you know, of course I was really bummed out so much time lost. We were having trouble anyway. And like I lost all that time, but during that walk and it was a front end, uh, problem. So the good news about front end lamenesses is if you're a dressage rider <laughs> is then you can collect, right? So that's what you're trying to do anyways, lighten the forehand. So you can, you can think about asking your horse for collection and it could be fair because it's actually lightening the pressure on the front end. 
So during that walk time, we spent a lot of time um, refining our collected walk and just collected walk, free walk, collected walk, free walk. A month of this, through that process of doing what I can do, I can walk. (laughs) So how can I do, you know, what can I do at just the walk? By the time we started trotting again, his first trot steps were in better balance, better collection than the last sessions I had with him before he went, he injured himself. So, huh, (laughs) log that in the journal, dear diary. Hmm. Taking the time to go slow, taking the time to refine the walk. And that's sort of a general rule just gymnastically for for dressage training even if your horse is healthy you know the walk is such an important gate and through the years of multiple experiences like the one i just described with ovation um, i have learned the power of just walking it it can be a, seemingly a little bit boring until you start realizing the absolutely amazing benefits of it so my advice would be don't wait for your horse to be injured to uh, maybe try going deep into the walk and really looking at the dynamic of collection. So I really just put the microscope up to what happened in the first moment that I start to sit up for collection. You know, is he straight? What does my contact feel like? I mean, what else did I have to do? Paid off unbelievably. In fact, I'm not sure, well, we probably would have gotten where we are today, but that moment was so breakthrough. I I think it would have taken longer and maybe he wouldn't have been as successful as, as he had been after having to have that kind of a break. Now, another horse that I've had, uh, Solana, uh, unfortunately had In 2016, she had a bout of laminitis, no rotation, thank goodness. But it was, you know, it was bad enough that then we had, you know, a lot of time just in the stall and then very gradually coming back. And now that that was front end lameness too. But I mean, it was, it was, she was pretty uncomfortable. There were lots of times, you know, she couldn't really walk. So here we were in the stall what can I do? So a lot of silly horse tricks, a lot of um, picking things up and handing them to me and, you know, little silly things like that, which are actually valuable. And I'll talk a little bit more about those. But as far as dressage, you know, there, there she was, I wasn't sure how she'd come back and she's come back fine. She's doing awesome. It's been five years now, almost five years. But what we could do uh, was posture. So standing still, and again, this was laminized was the front end. So I, I could, without guilt, I could ask her to do things, uh, bringing weight on her hind end. So we, we did a lot of just standing in the stall, um, with contact bitless, or sometimes I put the bridle on and I just practiced picking up the reins and really playing with her posture and in a way that I could, uh, shape her neck. 
You know, I can just play, I can touch, I can add a little bit of almost massage or body work in as I'm playing with the connection and the contact and asking your hind feet to come underneath her and be square. And we spent a lot of time playing with that. And she actually quite enjoyed it. And because of the posture of dressage, it's a posture of pride. It's a posture of balanced, calm pride. And, you know, she would start nickering and she would get so, you know, I'd, I'd say you were posing for the statue in front of the castle. And we just play with that over and over again. I'd let her hang out and then we'd, I'd stand next to her and adopt the posture and pick up the contact. And we could, you know, I could refine it. I could, I could put my hands on her. I could feel where there are areas of tension and play with it. And then as she was able to move, just in, I have, I had a stall, it's like a double size stall, so it's like, I don't know, maybe 24 feet long and, you know, 11 feet wide. Well, that's enough room to do some strides of shoulder in or even halting in a shoulder in, halting in a haunches in. Even at the halt, changing from shoulder in to haunches in or rhombers or, you know, changing all those and then bringing it forward. And we got really good walk pirouettes in hand during that time period. And again, as she got better and we started to be able to go move around and then I started riding her at the moment that I got on her and we had our first rides, she felt better than the last ride before Laminize. And once again, I go, Karen, <laughs> why did I wait till she had laminitis to do that? It's really hard to do those kind of exercises when your horse is like, you know, can trot and go around. So here's the thing. You can add those kind of exercises in among all your other training exercises. So now we have days where we literally just go up and down the barn aisle and we practice those kinds of exercises. So in the spirit of this, the um, topic of this podcast, you know, when, when there's you know, big stuff, things like laminitis, uh, that could be, you know, it can be really depressing. (laughs) And I won't kid you, you know, I had my share of, you know, the heart sinking and oh my gosh, what if that was the last time I could ride her? What if she rotates? You know, it's pretty critical in those moments when those things are happening and you don't know how they're going to go at first and the disappointments. But if you can, you know, let yourself feel that it's real don't try to hide it. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to slump on the couch and be bummed. <laughs> of course. And then ask yourself the question, what can you do? And there's other stories with that. You know, I an earlier podcast where I talk about my horse atomic, you know, with his colic surgery. Now there was Times with that, there was not much I could do except just lay there with his head in my lap. So do that. There's been other times, you know, when a horse is sick or unwell and I can't really, they can't really move or do much of anything. You know, if your horse has a fever, I wouldn't say do posture exercises, you know. Sometimes you just have to be there with them. And I think it's important to be there with them with that 
feeling of gratitude and feeling of love and not, oh man, I paid a lot of money for you and now you're sick, you know. Those thoughts come in. But I can remember lots of times of just sitting out in the, t- in the good grass with a horse while I play words with friends and, and my horse just grazes next to me. And I'm grateful I can do that. There's always something you can do. There's massage. You can massage your horse body work. What a great time to get your hands on your horse. The healing power of that, whether you're trained in it or not. Or take an online course or have somebody help you with that. Make it up. Just put your hands on your horse and feel what you feel. Send love. (laughs) You can do that. Now with other um, injuries such as uh, hind end lameness. So I've talked a lot of examples about, okay, there's something going wrong in the front end. So you can do collection. But what about... What about if your horse has a hind end injury and you can't go to collection? You actually have to be really careful not to overweight the hind end. There's a favorite exercise that I do called moving massage. This is great for all horses. It's pretty transformative. Uh, But if you are allowed to hand walk your horse, then you can think of, well, what can I do with this walk? I'm just hand walking my horse but it's going to be healthier for them and less strain even on their hind end if they're as loose and supple and relaxed and flowing as they walk. So moving massage uh, is something, there's a video in the video classroom. If you go in my video classroom, you can look up moving massage in the video labels and there's a bunch of videos on that. There's actually in the video classroom, there is a video called Exercises You Can Do in a Horse's Stall. And it's, uh, I actually am with Solana in that video, the one who had laminitis. And uh, she's she and I demonstrate the exact exercises we did in the stall. So I think that's that could be a really fun one to go look at. There's also silly tricks videos or things. If, if you have a horse, you can't really do anything except just silly horse tricks. Um, there's some videos there. Um, where was I? Oh, I lost my train. Oh, moving massage. I'm back. (laughs) Don't you love it when you have a thought and you're like, there it goes. (laughs) Well, I caught it. So moving massage is really cool. So you can watch those videos and learn more about how to do it. But the, the idea is that as the horse moves, you just feel them. And I think this is the hardest part of moving massage for the person is there's, there's not a goal beyond, I want you to feel relaxed and as yummy as you can feel. And our job as the person is just to feel what we feel. And if we think we feel an area of tension, so that could be the quality of the muscle under our hand or our horse tells us, because when we touch there, they're like, hey, You know, so you just feel what you feel. And I I think I'm going to have to do a whole podcast on this. So there's videos in the classroom about this. So you can go look if you want to know more. But you feel what you feel. And if you feel an area that you think might have some tension in it, you just allow the energy to flow through it while you're thinking the thought, 
I love you. You don't need to hold that tension or let it go. If it was a person, you would probably say, take a deep breath and breathe through my hand or something like that. So whatever the horse message is for this, just like, let it go. It's not a trigger point manipulation. There's no thing wrong with them. It's just like, hey, here's a place that you could have more love sent in. Here's a place that could feel even warmer, yummier, flowier. I want you to feel better. So it's really, for me, it's an exercise in emptying myself, just feeling and connecting my horse. And the entire intention is that they feel as amazing as they can. And when you practice this, things will come up because sometimes your touch bothers the horse for whatever reason. And sometimes you have to work at it at a distance. So you watch the videos and you'll learn more about it. But that's a really, you know, what can you do? I can only hand walk my horse and I can't do any collected because it's a hind end lameness. Well, what can you do? Let the horse go for the stretchiest, most relaxed, free walk, full of love that they can <laughs> while they go to the good grass <laughs> and be yummy and eat that. Other things you can do if you can't do much. What about bridling and saddling? There's so many horses that have bridling and saddling issues. And something I tell people all the time is practice bridling and saddling disconnected from actually riding them. And so when they're laid up, that's a great time to do it. You put the bridle on, take it off, put it on, take it off, leave them, give them a cookie, <laughs> put the saddle, get the saddle near the stall, go through the steps. Anytime there's tension, stay at that threshold, counter condition it, figure out what was, why, why right then did they not like that? And it's not just about the saddling and bridling, but it's about being with your horse on that level concerned about their well-being about whatever it is that you're doing and taking that time to go so deep into it that not only do they become better at the bridling or saddling or picking their feet out or whatever it is but that shift in your mind of going I care about this and I want this to go easier and it's not you know I mean, you could do this and have it be like, haha, now I'm going to really train this horse to be submissive on this. No, that's not what we're talking about. But being with your horse at that level of partnership to say, I'm so sorry you're hurt right now, but guess what? I'm still here with you. And this is a great time for me to go deeper and make sure I heal all these places in our relationship where maybe you've been a little bit uncomfortable and I've kind of glossed it over and got onto the like fun stuff <laughs> like riding. Sometimes your limit might be time or space or footing, you know, or countless other things. So it, it might not be just injury. It might be it's snowy and icy. So I can't ride. It might be it's too hot and I can't ride. Maybe it's I only have a couple minutes. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're lame <laughs> or, or somehow, you know, can't do the normal things that you do. Whatever it is, always ask yourself, how can I make the best of it? 
And you know, artists and musicians often will do this on purpose. They create limits for themselves in order to expand their skills. So I remember, you know, I've done a lot of artwork and took a lot of art classes. And I mean, that's a really normal exercise, you know, paint this still life upside down, paint, you know, draw a draw this landscape, but you're only allowed to use crosshatching or stippling or one color or whatever it is. So if you set up some kind of constraint, it's going to, it's going to force you to think differently. Some, you know, create this piece of artwork and you're only allowed to use found objects in your immediate area or, you know, take an amazing photograph, but you have to do, take a picture of something that's within a arm's reach of you right now. <laughs> you know, how could you do it? So sometimes it's, it's fun again, to not, not do this only when your horses are sick and are lame, uh, but impose limits on yourself on purpose. Plan it. I think, I think the, <laughs> the universe will make sure you learn the lessons that you need to learn. You can do it the hard way or the easy way. So, you know, life happens, stuff happens. It's not that you're causing it to happen. But every time this happens, every time, like now when I'm out icing my horse's leg and I'm doing actually kind of fun stuff with him, I think to myself, why wasn't I doing it this before? Like I knew I wanted to do it, but I just never took the time. So with Ovation, right now as I'm icing his leg, he got ran around in the paddock too. Kind of chased him rather aggressively. And uh, he didn't pull any tendons or damage any tendons or ligaments, but it's kind of inflamed right now. So I'm just, I'm icing him. And we are um, trying to tell the difference between a circle and a square. So I, I'm having him, I painted a circle and a square on a piece of plywood and, and he has to touch the one that I say with his nose. Hey, that's kind of fun. It's really uh, a learning experience for me of how to teach that. He seems to be picking it up quite quickly. I'm also playing around with his posture with his neck. He doesn't have a naturally easy neck to, to ride and have him be through and uphill and really lift through his thoracic sling. So we are spending a lot of time at the halt just shaping and playing with his neck posture. And we're actually uh, having a good time with it. He's getting really good at learning the cue for licking my face. <laughs> Those are things I can do. <laughs> so think of, think of as on a regular basis, think of how can you impose limits on yourself for fun? I mean, we do this riding without stirrups. There's a classic one. Can you do a whole ride using only corners and straight lines? No circles. Can you ride with one hand? What can you do if you only had 15 minutes to ride? I regularly set timers for myself. Sometimes it's just so I have awareness of the time, but sometimes I have a lot to do and a short amount of time to do it. And I set a timer and I go, okay, my goal is in 23 minutes to have a nice session that feels like I achieved my goal or theme for the day, whatever, whatever it might be. 
So you can impose limits on yourself just for fun. And I think it's a really great practice. And then if you're practicing imposing limits on yourself, then when a limit is imposed upon you, you can take two seconds to pout and then go, okay, well, what can I do with this? (laughs) And there's an analogy that we can make to um, actual just dressage gymnastics. So if you think about it, um, about limitation and how that actually can expand you, you know, think of the power that comes from collection, right? The, the, the power and, you know, where do extensions come from? They come from collection. They come from us taking something big and making it a little smaller for a moment. So something big can come out, bigger still can come out of it. So that's how I see a limit that's imposed on me. I think there's a lot of power in there. And I've personally experienced that. So what can, what, what is something powerful you can get out of it? What's something big you can learn from it? And when you start getting really into this whole limitation thing that I just, there's one word of caution because there's a difference between welcoming a limitation with a curiosity and an excitement about what you're what you might now figure out and enjoying limitations so that you have an excuse an excuse why you're not succeeding and i remember the first time uh i i did a uh running a running race i think it was my first I think it was a 10K. 15, maybe it was like my, no, I forget what it was. Something not that hard. <laughs> and I was there with a friend of mine and he's, we're walking up to the start, you know, start line. And he said to me, he's like, now, as you walk through the crowd, listen for the excuses. And I was like, that's interesting. And sure enough, as you, as I walk through the crowd, there were lots of people saying things like, yeah, I've been sick all week. I didn't think I'd come, but I thought I'd do it. Or, yeah, I really didn't have time to train this month. I got real busy at work. Or, yeah, I forgot the right sneaker, you know, running shoes. So these aren't really comfortable. It was really interesting. And so be careful that you don't, and maybe notice this in others, that you don't, um, Focus on limitations as a way to uh, yeah, preemptively explain why you're not succeeding or even after the fact to blame it on the limitation. I think, you know, we if you focus on the limitations in that way, you're just setting yourself up for not doing as well as you could. And it just means that you're getting a little too attached to the outcome, right? You want to be committed to your progress, but not attached. I know it's very Zen, but it's true. <laughs> so if you, when you hear people making excuses, it means they're too attached to the outcome. They're going to feel bad about themselves if they don't succeed to the point that they thought that they should. So yeah, that's, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> and so you got to make up excuses why to explain why you might not succeed. 
but it's sort of setting yourself up to not succeed, I think. And instead, just be committed. And then as life happens and stuff happens, all right, well, that happened. It's easy to find comfort in excuses. I think in a way it, it lets us off the hook. But if we practice this, we're, we're practicing disempowerment and that, that just kind of goes against my grain. <laughs> I'm all about empowerment. So I think we need to take full responsibility for our experiences. So have a dream, set yourself up for success, and then embrace the challenges without hiding behind them. Stay curious, own your experience, and learn from everything. And I know, you know, this is, it's a kind of a weird, subtle point, probably outside my scope of expertise. I'm not a psychologist. Um, but I, I have found that sometimes there's some, some people, and maybe I've experienced this in myself a little bit too, that if you really want something, there's almost, and you feel like it's hard and maybe you're not going to make it. There's almost a sense of relief when there's a good reason why you can't. I'm just kind of thinking of this. I don't have notes on this, so <laughs> maybe I should have thought about this before I start saying it out loud on a podcast. But I, I think I've experienced that there's like a little bit of like, oh, good. And I, and I just think you got to watch out for that one. Because what you put out to the universe, the universe listens, I think. Your brain is listening. Your brain is pretty powerful. It will make it so. And so I think this is where it's the, the slippery slope of embrace the limitation. Don't turn it into excuse. Be excited about what you might learn from it without feeling relief that it's a good reason for why you're not, not going to succeed. And maybe at some point I'll, I'll flesh out those thoughts. You'll have to post in Dressage Naturally on Facebook group when you listen to this and be like, is this something? Am I on to something? Anyway, let's get back to the positive. Focusing on what you can do. There's a quote by uh, someone named Frank Clark. And he says, if you find a path with no obstacles, it probably doesn't lead anywhere. And I think this is why we have to just not think that people who succeed just have clear sailing. It's not that. We all have stuff that happens, stuff that gets in the way. And whatever gets in the way, okay, so that's happening. What can you do? And I think you'll be really amazed at what you find when you practice this. And I really do hope you post in the Dressage Naturally on Facebook group and um, let me know what you discovered with this. You know, what, what did you figure out that you could do that you didn't think you could do? 
how creative did you get? Because I think this is some something we can share ideas with too. I mean, I shared a bunch of ideas uh, and there's lots more ideas of what you can do with any particular challenge. And I think that attitude of action taking, even if the action is just being, feels so much better than being helpless. And like I said, just time and time again, something has happened that could have stopped me in my tracks, that could have stopped my horses in my tracks. And there's always a way forward. There's a way to keep forward movement, keep movement, even if it's just energetic movement. Uh, Because what's the alternative, right? Excuses, depression, (laughs) giving up, and that's no fun. So let's all keep going. Focus on what you can do. And if you need ideas, you can check out those videos in the video classroom for moving massage and silly horse tricks and exercises you can do in a stall. If you can't find them, just tag me in a post in the Facebook group and I'll help you find them. And that's it. Onward and upward. Thanks. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.